It's Beauty Uncovered After Hours. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. And today I have a very special guest. It's my mom. I had my mom on today because I really wanted to talk to someone that had experience or expertise in motherhood. And quite frankly, I can't think of anyone more qualified than someone that raised 11 children. She's had a very interesting life and some really unique personalities within the family. You will find one interrupts in the middle of it and tries to get her goat. But we have a fun family. And I think that she has some very interesting wisdom that all of us could benefit from. Happy early Mother's Day, mom. Yes. Yeah, that's good. So are you planning anything for Mother's Day? I haven't even thought about it. No. Every day is Mother's Day. Well, yeah. I admittedly don't really plan much of anything anyways. So you know what I was doing last night? I was going through all that video that I had converted from grandpa. And I was sitting there watching the video of you and dad and was it the four oldest in the pool? Mm -hmm. And all I kept thinking is like, you were probably 25. I was married at 19. I had my first child at 20. So I had seven children by the time I was 29. By the time you were 29. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of took in another child who was lost in the family temporarily, you know, the one who was in Japan. I hear stories about it, but I don't really remember him very well. Though I've talked to Johnny and he he remembers me. So (laughs) he called me the little football. No, I was actually looking at it and I kept on thinking to myself, God, did they, could they even fathom the fact that after four kids, they were going to have another seven. I, you know what's interesting? I love when they, they say, people don't realize your parents are growing up at the same time you are. <laughs> you know, I mean, we expect our parents to know everything. And the reality is we're growing up as much as you are. That's, that's how it works. You know? No, that's the truth. Well, I mean, in many ways, I often think about how with all of us, because I always see there's the big kids, the middle kids, the little kids right? Mm -hmm. Which is ridiculous. I know we're all adults and everything, but I feel like we had three sets of parents that were different. (laughs) Different ages. Yeah. Well, also generation to generation. I mean, you got to figure when I was coming of age, I was, it was the late eighties, early nineties when I was a teenager or whatever. And then you figured Fred and Carol and Linda and whatever, the older ones were a totally different age or time period. It's you kind of learn more as you go along with parenting. It's not just growing as you go. It, it seems like with each generation, they have a different way of parenting. Well, you figured it was 19 years between my oldest and the youngest. I had 12 pregnancies. I was pregnant for how many months is that? Something like <laughs> I should take out a calculator and figure that out. Oh, I have. I have at times. But what I'm saying is I was so busy. I didn't know that there was a shift in the way the world looked at things. I, I was busy raising children. I mean, I, I always tell a story of when, I mean, my first spiritual experience was, I, it was a Baltimore catechism at that time. And the first question is, who made you? God made you. The second question is, why did God make you? And to know, love, and serve. And I think that was kind of my motto most of the times, as far as I was concerned, you kids were gifts from God. I mean, they, you were miraculous and you really were, you know, and, but I see that way 
in the world now with everybody. Everyone is born perfect. We just, as parents, try not to ruin them. (laughs) And, And you know what? We have history upon history upon history. My parents had their ideas. Their parents had their ideas. And I brought that all into your lives. Well, I'm sure I messed it along the way. But amazingly, as I tell everybody, not only do I love you kids, but I like you. No. It's so different. I mean, really, in all honesty, you know that, Danielle. Oh, yeah. They're all different. All different. And I think if you just love your children, in spite of how they act sometimes, you know, you just kind of go, you're perfect on, on the, at the core. But everyone is, you know. I actually love the philosophy. You were talking to me not long ago about how you felt as though we we chose you. And yeah. so that when you felt overwhelmed. I, think I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that when you felt overwhelmed and wasn't sure what to do, you figured, well, they chose me. So yeah. <laughs> like, they chose me for a reason. I question your judgment. In all honesty, when you have like four or five teenagers in a house and you're trying to raise little children, it's a little... It's a little surreal is a good way of putting it because mm. teenagers are trying to be adults. They're trying to break away from the bond of being the child. So they're doing all the things that you wish they wouldn't. But I, I had good parenting. My mother was a difficult person in certain respects. But the reality is she taught me so much. I was writing about that this morning. My mother was not only philosophical, spiritual person who believed in things that the church she belonged to didn't believe in. Mm -hmm. I I always tell a story about a bishop once saying to her, how can an intelligent woman like you believe in astrology? And she said to him, I don't believe in astrology. I believe in God. But God gives us hints and guesses through the world. And that happens to be one of them, you know. And she was very good at it, too. She had a psychic element about it, too. So, I mean, I had the mixture of both worlds, the tradition and non-traditional. You know? Well, I say that about my upbringing as well, because you had dad who was uber traditional. I mean, you would think that you would be more traditional, considering the fact that, like, I mean, you were, you were in a combat at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Tried that. Technically, you should be more more uh, more traditional than even Dad was, but you weren't. And you know, some of the practices that you taught me, I didn't realize that they were non-conventional yes. or unconventional that I passed on to my kids, like wrapping us in light. Yeah. That is probably one of the biggest gifts that you ever gave me, and and I say that with sincerity because any time that there was stress or a conflict with a teacher or another person, the first thing you would always say, wrap them in light, you know, so that that they're surrounded by love and everything. And everything that passes through that light is being filtered through that love, you know, and also wrap ourselves in light. I mean, granted, I remember you telling me that when I was having nightmares or something like that and thinking, you know, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to surround myself. All your children have different spiritual, religious philosophies, you know, I mean, and that's good because you're all individuals. God created you all different through dad and I, I I mean, I'm not negating my responsibility. (laughs) You know, we did have them. As I said, I'm in awe. I I go around telling people I'm in awe of my children because some appear to not have accomplished much in their lives. They have difficulties 
and some have appeared to accomplish a great deal. But you all, the big thing that I always wanted is you all love. And that's very cool. And that is very cool. And I don't know what all my children believe. But that's, but that's one of the things I tell people all the time. I read a lot. Uh, I mean, I read a lot. But I, I'm trying to not keep up with you kids, but understand all the different philosophies there are in the world. I, I read, I think I did for like eight months, no, three months. I was reading Byron Katie and Wayne Dyer. They both did a thing on the Tao. And I read them parallel. They had two different ways of looking at it. But it gave me a little different vision of the way the world is, you know? Mm-hmm. There are so many aspects of the Christian religion and so many diverse ways of looking at it that, I mean, I get involved in all of them. I mean, there's the Course of Miracles, there's the Unity. I happen to like New Thought, you know, but there's the Roman Catholic, there's the Latin Catholic. I, well, you know, your niece, my granddaughter is in the, as a nun or becoming a nun. You know, to those who don't believe, they believe that we just dissolve into chemicals. Someone just told me that. Yeah, one of the kids said, but it's just so much fun when you're dealing with the rest of life because life can be difficult. I always call it like Shin calls it the game of life. And the oh, game, yeah. Yeah, the game of life. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's tough when you get locked in a corner. So it's nice to have tools, you know, to get above it get above it i think of the amount of times you definitely had your rituals when we were growing up and i think of going to alhambra beach every morning to read i think you were reading seagulls the power jonathan livingston seagull and the power of positive thinking that's how we got to disney world the first time i was reading norman vincent's feel the power of positive thinking because people said you can't get in there and with seven children you're never going to be able to do it and i said to your father i said we can do this. But first we went to an airline and they said, with that many children, you'll never be able to do it. So your father had a great deal of confidence in me. He says, do you think you can pack the camper? And I happened to be organized that week. Not every week, but that week I was organized. I packed the camper and we went down for the first time. And I stood next to a woman who said, I checked my door into the Disney kennel. I'm going to get in. And I stood on the line with her and we got into Disney World. No, I had alternate plans. Back then, I mean, that was like you didn't. Well, I mean, even now you don't show up unless you are, have months and months in advance reservation. But it was very, relatively new back then. But they said you couldn't get in. Everyone said, oh, no, it's so crowded. And it was. It, it represented it nonsense. And I believe in a God with a sense of humor. I mean, I don't know what other people believe in, but God has got to have a sense of humor. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, it really to create us and with our idiosyncrasies, you know, I mean, really, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I, and you know me, I, I tend to drift off, but I guess I'm the world. I haven't been watching as much television lately news because I send good energy out into the world. If someone is in trouble in this family, I tend to say, please do something nice for yourself. Feel the goodness of it and send it out to other people. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's they, they need the goodness. So uh, um, I guess that's the world is going through a difficult time. You know, um, I have a question because this is yeah. something that I often think about, but I don't I don't know if we ever really talk about it. I wonder sometimes 
knowing how traditional dad was and knowing how I'm not going to say eccentric mom, that seems almost not appropriate. I, I, Idiosyncratic. I you were Idiosyncratic. 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 That's a great word. <laughs> yeah, okay. Unconventional, uh, but knowing how really on in many ways on the opposite of the spectrum. I mean, has was it always like that even when I was younger? Because I mean, yeah. I remember you being involved in the church and stuff like that and I doing that whole tradition. Minister. I was an extraordinary minister in the church at one point. I have a great respect for the but church. But even when you were, you were still thinking on it like in a oh, more... Yeah, but that was my parents' example. My mother brought us up in the Catholic Church. She did all the things, but she never stopped believing that God was bigger than this particular pathway, you know? I mean, that's why I think all religions, we have a one Christmas party, I remember, one of the uh, significant others was um, Jewish, and the other one was had a Muslim background, and they walked into our Christmas party and said, how interesting, a Muslim and a Jewish person walking into a Christmas party. I mean, it, that's our family. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 neither one of them are practicing their religion, but their religion of origin was, what I'm saying is, it was normal that we were just people, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you know, it's funny, your father understood that. You know, he was worried about me because um, I didn't, I tended to go beyond the standards of what, my religion told me to be and do and in some ways society at the time i mean it was a lot different thinking than a lot of people at that time now it's probably more accepted i don't know when you look at a younger generation they're far more progressive thinkers than maybe previously at the same time i had a counselor a mentor mentor i had a lot of mentors during life that was nice but one was this priest i had for nearly 20 years on the game, right? Mm. So, yeah, whatever. And he used to say, I mean, he kind of walked me through the whole thing because I wanted you children to have the best spiritual experience because that's part of you, that is the part where your power comes from. You know, Wonder Woman and all of that, you have one, all these women, but the power comes from inside of you, you know? So I wanted you to have the best intangible experience with goodness and kindness. Besides the tangible experience, I wanted you all to be successful, you know, and daddy wanted it too. I mean, he wanted you all to be successful, but we wanted the intangible, you know, the infinite to come through. I was talking to someone about the tangible and intangible, one of your siblings, and they said, mom, no one's going to have any idea what you're talking about. I said, no, I don't don't think that's the case. You want to estimate the world, you know, you know. No, I know what you're talking about. It makes sense. As parents, at least for myself, I mean, my biggest goal with the boys is to get them to an adulthood where, of course, they feel loved, but know how to live a responsible and loving life going forward. I mean, when it comes to their career paths and everything like that, I mean, yeah, I want to support that as well. I mean, so that way they're self-sustaining and they are doing something that satisfies them. But for the most part, I just want them to be well-adjusted adults that understand a, a, um, a healthy dynamic and relationship and just being good in the world. But I mean, I honestly feel like with you and dad, you always kind of made that a point with us that at the very least that we were good 
and kind. And, you know, in all honesty, that's the gift that dad, you say the traditional, that's the gift that dad gave. And that's the biggest thing I missed when he died. Well, I don't know what anyone knows he died three years ago. But the thing is, he was able to support you on your career goals. He got so excited. I wasn't as involved. I mean, I, if you were happy and you were doing good, I was happy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand his very gift of worldliness, of the manifested world, was what balanced us out. You know, mm-hmm. he appreciated me and I appreciated him for what he had to give. You know, because said dad had a great worth ethic, but all of you kids had a work ethic. You know, and that's that's a nice, nice thing. And I just work, <laughs> you know, that's what you did. Sir. Yeah, you well, know. I mean, you had a good work ethic, too, because I'm sorry, Mom, you raised 11 kids and that's a 24-7 job. People say, how did you do it? I said, I have no idea. Selective ignorance. You know, I don't remember anything that was difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? You you found a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's the grind, the dinner. And like I said it to you the other day, like I remember waking up in the morning, getting ready for school, finding all the several lunch bags, brown paper bags lined up on the countertop. I mean, it must have been early as hell. You probably had babies on top of I it. I don't remember them. I remember making them. Excuse me. How did they get there? I remember the stove going on fire and me just picking up things and putting it on top and my mother being there. The stove went out. I said, yeah, we, we put it out, you know. I mean, it was, it was, I guess it was probably chaotic, but we had rules in the house. I don't know whether you remember them, but the rules in the house was you were not allowed to fight in the house. If you wanted to fight with someone, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it was done <laughs> quietly, you know. You weren't supposed to fight in the house. You were supposed to take that person outside, especially when you have five sons, you know. Mm-hmm. Take them outside, convince them. You couldn't brag them out. You had to convince them to get out of the house, and then you could fight with them outside. But I didn't want the fighting in the house. No, that was a safe. I mean, we had a lot of people. It was we weren't even, we were not allowed to curse in the house either. Oh, no, no, no. That was the gutter. You could do that outside and your friends could do it outside. I remember James saying one time, uh, he says, I had to say to my friends, you can't curse in this house. <laughs> right. No, I think we all did that. I think we, we had warned people like, just so you know, like cursing doesn't happen in our house. And it, wasn't, it wasn't as if it was, I mean, if it happened, it happened later on when I worked in a addictions unit, I, had slipped and kind of things would come out every once in a while um, myself. But the thing is, it was supposed to be a safe environment. I wasn't against cursing because some that's an expression of emotion. But if we could find a better word, that's better. That's what I said. People said, you can't keep pulling yourself weird. So I found idiosyncratic. I like that, you know. <laughs> But I also like the fact that you did take the time. I mean, considering, like, like I said, how busy and um, how much work it must be to raise 11 kids, because in all honesty, I mean, I, I sometimes struggle with the three. You did find magical moments. Like, yeah. I mean, yes, you, you did the whole Disney thing, you know, and, and pile up in the station wagon and drive down to Disney to go camping, which was great. And I have really fond memories. But even just like the ice cream parties that we would have. Right, right. And we used to go over the airport. At that time, you could go onto the airport without security and go on the top. And we'd have sandwiches and sit down top of the Pan Am building or something like that and watch the airplanes come in and out. You know, there was, life was interesting and life was fun. And I think you need that, you know, as children. I know people are learning a great deal of things and I'm all for that. Your father, I'm, I'm bringing up your father for Mother's Day, but still, I'm, I mean, 
I think about it. He encouraged me when I wanted to do something. I went into the um, uh, Red Cross. You know, that was a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, flying to Katrina. And he was, and then he saw me do it. And he says, oh, I want to do it. So he went off and he went off and did work in Katrina. I still don't know how you two did that. Because, I mean, I mean, no offense, mom. You, you weren't young. Yeah. <laughs> you were sleeping on pallets. Yeah. I mean, that was a big guy. I, I don't know how the heck he did it. Well, you know, I Who needed I a hip replacement afterwards, no less. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's interesting. I remember talking to people when they came back from the Red Cross, other people going down there. And I said to them, don't fool yourself. It's a great adventure. It is a wonderful adventure. And being happy in that adventure helps you to be there for the other people. You have yeah. the energy to be there. I mean, I don't know how I did the things I did when I was down there, but it was a beautiful and helping people and seeing the beauty of them healing. They, they were going through terrible times and, yeah. and just watching the people healing with one another. I remember some baseball players. I didn't know who they were, but some kids, the, the brothers, were they baseball players, brothers or football players? Anyway, they came in. They were so nice to the people. I was so impressed with their goodness Mm. Um, that, uh, do you remember who they are? Is it Isaac? It's Brett Favre. No, with two football players. Yeah, I know who you talk about. I'm not a football person, so I'm the worst person to be. I, I think I, I have the, the, I have it in my head and I can't remember their names. But I mean, the good people, it's, you know, we need more and more of the heroes of kindness. You know, we, we tend to put our energy and our focus and we're all energy. I happen to believe that we're all energy on the negative people who are trying to disrupt the world. If we could focus on those who have kindness and good energy, it, it, it expands. I don't even know. I'm often And empathy, people. maybe? Yes. Compassion. 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 That's probably a better word. Compassion. Empathy is questionable because you don't know where that's coming from. You know, the mm. tangible, intangible. I'm very blessed. I mean, that's, that's what I've got to say. I, I, I say to people all the time, if I die tomorrow... I would feel I had a full life, beautiful children. I truly, I, not every one of my children believe in it, but I believe in an afterlife. And I truly believe that, to, how would you put it, we will, you know, we will get together. And when, when your father died, I really felt like he graduated and, uh, um, and there's joy. And there's joy. And we've been promised it by many masters through the ages. And I'm not even going to get into that because I could get in trouble. But I, I just... It, it is a beautiful world. And I forget it. Excuse me, before you think I'm utopic and, you know, all that, you know me. I can go up and crash, you know. Oh, sure. Which is sometimes a good for me to, there's a place called Unity that you call up and you ask for prayers. So my mother had given me the telephone number years ago. So I called him up the other day and something had happened. And I said, I need my sense of humor back. And I said, could you pray with me? To get my sense of humor back, because then that's my center. Center. If I don't have that, I'm seeing everything. Oh my goodness, it's terrifying. Well, I mean, not for nothing, mom. It's been a quite a journey in the past three years. I mean, between losing dad and then going right into a pandemic where you had to isolate yourself. I mean, you know, and and you're still trying. All right, you're a hugger. You're you are definitely affectionate. You like being around people. So to go from that to that, um, and feeling at least now we're kind of coming out of things, you know, which is your generation or saints because I don't know how I would possibly 
I'm technologically impaired in a lot of ways. So I don't know how people did it during the pandemic and had all those computers and had to deal with children and keep their focus. I mean, I am in nothing but awe of these young parents having to deal with what they had to deal with, including yourself. You know, I mean, it is, it's different. I Actually, I... Speaking of that, I, I actually, because I do sometimes think about parenting, um, it's very hard right now because of the fact that, you know, like I said, we had to do a lot of double duty for a while there. And, and you know, now things are going back to school and, and all that stuff. But I sometimes think about generational parenting, right? Now, don't get me wrong, we had a very traditional upbringing in some regards. In other regards, we were, mm-hmm. I like to call them, you know, free-range children. <laughs> we and ran around the neighborhood when it was time to eat. Mom would ring a bell. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I and everyone that. knew your middle names, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd be called by the three names or whatever. I love middle names, you know. I, I re- actually, I remember when... Um, my name is middle name is Elizabeth. I remember when dad one time went Frederick Elizabeth. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> just, it was one of those memories that just roaring, yeah. roaring. One of the things I will say is that I would not sit there and say that you were um, harsh disciplinarians. At, I mean, I, I didn't feel like you were, but then again, I was a good girl. <laughs> you were beautiful. I was a good girl. When I got I into shenanigans, you knew nothing of it. <laughs> yes, well, that's that's what I think. But, you know, when I was a teenager, I did things that my parents didn't know about. I mean, and I was, I was, you know, practically, you know, my friends wouldn't tell dirty jokes around me because they just saw me coming. And I never asked them not to. There was something, you know. Mom, about. you were in the convent. <laughs> no, this was, this was before I went in the convent. I well, I mean, you know, they must have picked up a vibe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, the, the thing is, I think I said to, I was talking to someone in the bank the other day and I was saying, you know what? I think everyone has psychic energy. I truly believe that. I mean, that's part of our being. That's the that's the room between the 34.7 trillion cells that the average person has. There is space between every one of those cells. That to me is where the psychic ability and, and the spiritual ability and, and the intangible and the infinite are. And the thing is, I relied on that with you kids to kind of feel whether you were in trouble or not. I remember one time when one of the brothers who shall not be named wasn't home and it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. I called up all the parents, all the parents of his friends. He was mortified the next morning. And I (laughs) said, well, you know what? I will never do that again. If you at least call me and tell me where you are, you know, I mean, and I I told the parents they were more than welcome to call me up if their child was missing. Mm. So I guess in a sense, I didn't have the energy. I mean, I have to say that honestly, I didn't have the energy. We can sit there as, you know, mom called all of my friends. It was so many, but (laughs) in the same breath, knowing now as a parent, you must've been scared. I was mad. I I probably wouldn't wouldn't have, I mean, I probably wouldn't have called them. I, you know, good common sense, but I mean, the kids tell stories now. You siblings get together, and I hear stories of what you got mischief. I remember one of them was saying they were 12 years old, and they went to the Mets game on a train by themselves with their friends, and I didn't know a thing about it. So one of the advantages of a large family is you got away with things that I didn't know, but it also tended to make you more self-sufficient. 
because I look at you are amazing people. I, I'm trying to I'm, think if I have any confessionals to give you of, the, of mischief <laughs> I've gotten into. I don't think I really was not a big mischief maker. No, no, no I, I don't. I, I don't really. Oh, I, I mean, other when I was an exchange Venezuela. student. When I was an exchange student, I lived in another country, and I was 16 to 17 years old. Yeah. And I, I might have had. Was gonna go. And even then, I was a good girl in comparison yeah. to the rest of them. But there was a tiny wee bit of shenanigans going on there. Yeah. But the thing is, I remember when you were saying you were going, your father was supporting you through the whole thing. But I didn't think you were going. I, I still had little kids. You have younger brothers and sisters. I can't remember. Freddie, Carolyn. So you're number six. I'm so number six. Have, so it was five older, five, five younger. than you. So, I mean, I remember I was in stunned that I was at the airport seeing you walk to go to Venezuela. Oh, yeah. No, I, I remember you sitting there going, you're not going. You're well, not I, going. Didn't, I don't think I would ever have stopped you, but I, I just didn't believe you were going. You know, I mean, it was like one of those. But I knew your father was in back of you all the way. And in all honesty, as I said, I trusted him. Well, you, you know, do realize you do realize that like. When we started doing the interview process through Rotary for that, the, the reason I got involved with the Rotary and doing the exchange program was not originally because I had any interest in being an exchange student. It was because we were supposed to have a biology test. And if I went to this Rotary meeting instead, it would be excused. So I went to this Rotary meeting, not even knew, knowing what Rotary was, and I listened. And of course, I filled out the paperwork, and then we got a phone call saying, oh, you know, come over to Massapequa and, and interview. So dad's, I told dad about it, and you're like, no. I remember you outright said no. Well, wait, no. wait a second. There's, there's a caveat to that. You, I was supposed to take in an exchange student. Oh, and yeah, no, that's had, true. Yeah. And that's, which you weren't going to do with 11, 10 kids, no. no. Yeah. So and dad's like, ah, let's just go through the process. And we go and we talk and we just we'll let it go. It. And then you got another interview and then another interview and another interview. And I don't even think either of us actually thought that was going to happen until one day we were invited to a picnic. And we went to the picnic, dad and I, and uh, they're like, you're going to Venezuela. And we just looked at each other. We're like, where's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, dad Which is horrible. But, you know, yeah. this was what, 1987, somewhere around there. And um, I remember a very nice man um, saying, well, what town? And we said San Cristobal. And he said, oh, that's like right next to Columbia. That's a beautiful area in, in the Andes Mountains and everything. And, you know, of course, during that time, Columbia was all over the news. And um, I remember dad just kind of leaning over to me and going, don't tell your mother about Columbia. <laughs> See, I remember daddy coming home from work. You were in Venezuela and daddy coming home from work with the New York Times and he's saying, great, Scott. They just had a, uh, an overthrow of government coup de cup, uh, yeah. had, uh, in like 30 or 40 years or uh, whatever it was. They had and, a coup. Uh, we called, yeah, coup. And we called you up and you said, oh, it's all right, mom. I'm, I have to stay in the house. <laughs> no, I mean, well, there was there was yeah. a curfew, but the town I was living in was actually the hometown of the of the current president at that time. So um, we knew we were safe. Granted, there was tanks in the street, but um, I, I didn't tell you that. No, and over and then I would flirt with the guys with the machine guns, so that way, you know, every time they saw me, they'd be like, "Hi." <laughs> that kind of thing, just you know. But I, you know what? That's the kind of stories you hear afterwards. You know, well, yeah, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to hear. You yeah. know, but I mean, it was. But as I said, life went on. I could you can paint 
11 children. I, this sounds terrible. I don't know whether I would recommend anyone have 11 children. So I was talking to a mother who had nine and she really wanted another. And if you want it, that's fine between you and your husband. But it is a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I remember the people saying to us, oh, yeah, but then they won't get an education. And I thought, why not? You know, they did. And, you know, in our family, we have all sorts of educational pieces. One took five years to get through high school because he really didn't want to get through high school. But, I mean, it wasn't as if he didn't have. And they all got good jobs. They, I mean, one has PhD. They have masters. Some of us are vocational. Yes. Some of us are, are right, PhDs. Right. I mean, it's every one of you. I mean, not every one of you. One of them has an illness. It was kind of, they're amazing. You just pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and just kept moving. And I, I'm, I've always been in awe of my children. I mean, I say that when I'm, especially when I'm, when I was going down to see the six of you this couple of weeks ago, I go, I'm in awe. They scared the life out of me. They're so, they're so wonderful. You know, I mean, it sounds, yeah, I'm sorry. No, why are you it's sorry? I can get say away all with the it. beautiful things to me, mom. Say all the beautiful <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, idiosyncratic. Boy, we have we in our family. There are idiosyncratic people who think out of the box. Oh you yeah. Know, we have we have political stances on both sides. We have different way religious ideology yes. to <laughs> just life philosophies. But yeah. the the thing that I do love, and I mean, this is for me like knowing. And again, no one shall be named. I mean, but knowing that I have so many um, siblings that are on such different spectrums in their belief systems, including myself, I literally love each and every one of them to pieces. Yeah. Just think if we manifest that into the whole world, how exciting that would be. If we could just love people, we don't have to like them. I say that to people all the time. I said, you don't understand. It's easy to love your children, but I, li- I happen to like your kids, which is, works out well for me. Loving them is the most important thing in the world. And it frees you to love. I mean, in all honesty, loving you is easy and it touches me and like opens up love for other people. I mean, so it's it's kind of selfish. Uh, no, self-caring. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to ask one more question because I do think this is a very interesting um, perspective. Because, I mean, I do know that you were a stay-at-home mom. Up until maybe I was about 14, 15. It was after TJ was born that you went yeah. to work. And it was something that you wanted to pursue, I guess. So you were you were working at South Oaks. It was, it was um, drug and alcohol rehabilitation. It was a fluke when you went to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I took this course because one of the children had a friend in the car. And the, char- car, the child wanted to jump out of the car when I was moving because she didn't want to go home. Oh. And and it was mm. had to do. I found out with addiction. I didn't know a lot about addictions. What I did was I went and I uh, took a course over at South Folks. I took a course for counseling to understand it, and your father supported it. Um, after I came out, mm. I did some volunteer work. But then what happened? They asked me whether I would work over there. Now, your father was cute. His my attitude was. One of the thing about addictive people, I could identify them. I'm addicted to chocolate, folks. I mean, <laughs> chocolate and food. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand an alcoholic. I do not understand a drug abuser. But when I listened to them in groups and I got to know them, 
they were beautiful people, and that I understood. That I just liked the people, right? And and their addiction, they they weren't their addiction. Later right. on, I had a child, as you know, who had an illness, uh, a mental illness, and I could, and they helped in a way. It helped me to separate the child from the illness. This is a beautiful child. What happens to have an illness, right? And I, I may not be explaining it right, but anyway, what happened is dad said, oh, you can help those poor people. And I'm going, they're not poor people. They're, they're people who are working on themselves. They were sometimes healthier than the people in the hospital because how would you put it? They were working but on themselves. But being dad is very, that he was very like church-based and everything like that. I could see like, oh, you could be of service. Yes, a service. And he understood. And, and I worked there for about, oh, 15 years or so. And, uh, but it was part-time job and it worked out well with dad and I, you know, shifting back and forth. Um, what one of your siblings said to me at one time, mm-hmm. because you were kind of naive about the world, you were kind of naive about the world and how would you put it, you open the world. I mean, maybe it is true. In all honesty, in the community, I would, I would, naive is a good word. Well, I, that I, was I, me. I definitely would say I was relatively sheltered. Yeah, where we lived, we lived was kind of a sheltered place and naive. And and the reality is people had real troubles. I had workshops. I had like 35 workshops. And, and there were children who were affected. And you saw that. And you had workshops for children. Your father, I'll never forget that. We went on a cruise together. And uh, I think it was I don't know, 25th anniversary. I don't know. But I was so concerned about something that happened in a children's workshop that it, at that time you had to pay like $25 to send a call out. He let me go ahead. And that was a lot of money at that time. I called up from the ship to get over to where I worked to tell him to do something about something or other. But that's the kind of person he was. You know, he was a person. And that's the kind of person you were. You had to make the call. Yeah, right, right. right. Don't forget that, mom. Don't always (laughs) give him the credit. Take the credit as well. (laughs) What was interesting when when dad died, uh, one of the kids gave me a ring and it it, it touched me. It said, I am, and then on the other part of it, enough. Mm-hmm. Because when I go into a room after your father died, it would be like, I always was behind him. In other words, I'd be the busy one. He was very sick in the last five years, but I was the busy one. And and I, I didn't require any attention. And he was he had a good sense of humor. So the thing is, it was there. And then when I walked in a room after he died, I felt not enough. Do you remember, because um, dad, dad would come and stay with me for months. Yeah. Um, and one of the big jokes that we used to say is that mom needed to learn how to work the audience because dad would do the thing where he would be like, you're my favorite. Oh, yes. And all you had to do was bring him a cup of coffee or some jello or something. And then the next person could be coming into the room with something else and you're standing there and then they'll be like, oh, look, it's my favorite. And so, you know, that it became this competition and he loved every freaking second of it. He was you know? so good at it. I enjoyed watching him. He was, right. a man, he was an artist, you know, he just, he loved you children. I mean, our marriage, I say the first 35 years, and I don't know whether I should be saying this. That's fine, mom. It was romantic. It was romantical. Let me tell romantical. you, there's a lot of people in the world that would be like, Thrilled with 35 years of a romantic after, relationship. After that, we became friends. We were friends till the day he died. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a shift. I understand people 
and and this sounds almost sacrilegious to some people, if, if some of the family were listening, I understand why people get divorced. You know, if it's in the best interest of both partners, then it's a wonderful thing. You know, it, it is, even if it isn't. I personally, your father was, well, he was also 10 years older than me or 11 years older than me, which helped in his his patience and his tolerance. I don't know. That's why I to judge anyone is is so foolish because I don't that thought of sense of humor that I have also doesn't judge. Mm. Just goes, Oh, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, I mean I really when we do things that are not nice, we're doing it to ourselves. We're, we're I mean Well one of the things that I, I did know and I'm glad, like, I, I love that ring. I think that's really great because I feel as though, like, for a little while there, there was this whole thing of, you know, getting together with family or whatever and that you didn't feel like you were enough. How am I supposed to replace dad? And I remember sitting there being completely confused by this because to me, it was always separate and different mm-hmm. and you were two totally unique individuals and I enjoyed both of you. But I understand what you're saying. Dad was kind of an entertainment in that way. You know, he worked the crowd and you were working everything else in many ways. So, um, but it was really, I, I just want to say it was really enjoyable in meeting up a few weeks ago at Disney and just letting, allowing yourself, I watched you allow yourself oh, to yeah. be the center of attention in some ways and get your way and have fun because you deserve it, Mom. Just like have fun. I didn't. I didn't need the attention because I was enjoying your kids so much. But it was the goodness. I mean, I had just had an incident. Um, pandemic threw me off. I don't know how, and I fell and whatever. And the and and all of you assisted me in a way I never thought. I tell everyone I'm. Well, you know that ninety three. And people look, are you really 93? I said, if you add nine and three, you get 12. And that's what I am on the inside. I don't feel like going through my 80s. I'm not that quite there yet, but I'm, I don't want to go through my 80s. So I'm skipping right over to 93. And people always say, you look pretty good for 93. You know, so. Um, so, but on this vacation, physically, I was so out of shape after two years of sitting around, not doing enough, mm. that to have the assist of the family it was it was awe inspiring, you know. I I just I hate being reliant on anybody because I always took care of things myself. But everyone walked me through, and it was with laughter and love. And uh, what you were carrying eleven lives on your shoulders for many many years, Mom. There's no reason why we can't do a little bit of stuff too. I I know it it was beautiful, and and it's no burden. And it was beautiful because I could get to hug everybody. Oh my goodness! I can I can visually feel your arm when I grab onto your arm and all that walk and all that. It, it just very very blessed, very very good. You know, you're gonna have to do an interview with your brother James about Disney World sometimes, just to. Yeah. I already asked him. Let me tell you, he's like a whole choke. He wants me to choke. God bless. Was, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he actually, I don't think any of us thinks that you would choke. We are going to end it. We are going to end it. And I'm, I want to say thank you for coming on, Mom, because it always is fun talking to you. And I love hearing about your thoughts on stuff. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day to you, too. You have beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sons. I love them. I love hugging them, too. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much for bringing them into my life, too. Hmm. Anyway, have a good one. 
Thank you.